Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Midnight Club. I mean, King Gamer Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Callahan, and we have a spooky episode for you. But fun spooky. Not sad spooky or terrifying spooky. It's a little sad spooky. Oh, actually, we'll, we'll actually talk about a lot of sad spooky. But someone who does not make me sad, Jessica Orr. Jessica, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Just thought I'd bring up that uh, I do have brothers, Mark. And I was babysitting, and I yeah, like how you, yeah, I like how you were like, ah, oh, you're a liar. And then as soon as the last Jedi hit started coming on, you're like, Jessica, see if. <laughs> oh yeah, and they're like, oh, oh, I'm an only child. <laughs> I unfortunately have three brothers, so no offense. Actually, all offense to my three brothers. Yeah. Yeah. How dare I mean, you make me babysit? <laughs> it's all my fault. Yeah, let's just go with that. Yeah. I don't know. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How was babysitting? A lot of Minecraft, Roblox. Did get to uh, play a little bit of Fall Guys. Which is uh, always my good. please, please can we play Fall Guys? <laughs> but yeah. That's the thing, like, I don't want to say like when I was a kid, but you know me. I'm a single player guy. What is this other people I have to deal with? <laughs> Yeah. My multiplayer back in the day, we used to plug in other controllers in the GameCube and play Mario Party. <laughs> Marking his old ground to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's all 5G. <sighs> what a world. I know. I say as I play like six live service games. Oh, it sucks. Genshin Impact. <laughs> Genshin Impact, Fortnite. Fall guys. Overwatch. Fall guys. Pokemon Go. <laughs> Lot, I mean, yeah, that's like live service, but I feel like, what is Pokemon Go? It's just its own genre, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's an open world game. It is. It is definitely an open world game. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about Pokemon Go and open world games. We are here to talk about The Midnight Club, the latest Netflix release from My Flanagan. And we got a lot of games that we've been playing. But first... Jessica, you've been playing Scorn, and I've been seeing a lot of hype recently on my timeline. A lot of uh, Game of the Year talk. Oh, really? I don't, I don't know if this is like just random people just saying Game of the Year. And by the way, if any game is your Game of the Year, even though it's not a popular opinion, that is 100% fine. Yeah, it's your I Game of the Year. <laughs> I don't mean the passive-aggressive, like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> It's good. But Jessica, how is your experience playing Scorn? Yeah, so it's interesting you're saying that because I haven't really been looking at the timeline on Twitter or anything for how people have uh, taken Scorn. I got it a few days before release and it is pretty short. So I was able to get it finished before it released. Um, and it is a very polarizing game depending on what you want from it. Because... If you don't like puzzles, you're probably not going to like it. If you don't like gross horror, you're probably not going to like it. If you don't like story, if you don't like story tools for the environment, you're probably not going to like it. Uh, so if that, yeah, if you, there is no dialogue in this game at all. It's about, I completed it in six hours, but I got stuck on two puzzles for not even joking about two hours. So um, probably more like a four hour game. It is beautiful. Like extremely 
amazing graphics. Like I see why they didn't want to put this on the old uh, Xbox One console generation. It's just PC and Xbox Series X at the moment. And it is stunning, even if it is absolutely disgusting. And yeah, for anyone who doesn't know the basic premise of Scorn, it was, I think it's been through about two Kickstarters or at least two fan-driven, uh, money-driven events. Uh, it got the money. It got some money from backers as well. There was like a short preview demo out a little while back. I think they called it the prologue, which is basically like the first act. It's in act. Um, and I suppose that was the introduction to the puzzles. I think they did change it a little bit because I didn't play it. I know I know Dan uh, was looking forward to Scorn and it's <clears throat> your enjoyment of this is going to be depending on what you think it is when you're going into it. It's not a jump scare game. It is scary game because it's gross body horror and alien it's very like if you've not seen it it's very hr geiger inspired like sometimes <laughs> sometimes to parody like i actually had to stop and laugh at a certain uh phallic statue shall we say <laughs> just <laughs> oh my uh and that is not it wasn't even the worst of it there are a bunch of wtf moments in this game but they're made even better by like no explanation like what you get out of this is what you are seeing you're definitely gonna have to go on to one of those YouTube explained ending explained stories for this because I completed it twice the ending and I I couldn't explain it to you. I, I couldn't even explain some of the puzzles to you, Mark. Like I was trying to write a guide for a certain really difficult puzzle in one of the acts and I couldn't understand how I did it. Like I genuinely couldn't. I was looking back at my footage, going, "What did I do to solve it?" Um, it, it eventually I worked it out. Uh, and I, you know, had to try and explain it to other people. It's just, some people have been calling it obtuse, which I kind of agree with, but the sense of satisfaction you get when you finally solve it is incredible. But with that one in particular, I was like, I didn't get any satisfaction out of that because I don't know how I solved it. Um, but yeah, extremely short game, full of puzzles. There's like one main puzzle for every act and there's five acts. Lots of what the fuck and gross moments. But I really enjoyed my time with it. And if I had to describe it as like a genre, I wouldn't even call it a puzzle game. I call it like, you're kind of going through an experience sort of like this like walking simulator type thing, but you're blocked by a puzzle every once in a while, which I find fun to solve mostly. But I can see how that would be polarizing if you just wanted that like horror alien vibe story without being blocked by a very difficult puzzle puzzle about five times. Um, so yeah. What what you want out of a game is what you're going to get out of Scorn. And I can see why it's some people's game of the year contender and why some people are just like, oh, I hate this game, you know. Uh, you, you had me at penis towers. <laughs> Mark, it's, uh, it's not even the half of it. It's, <laughs> this game is filled with alien penises and vaginas and some other things that I won't spoil because it's just like, is this really happening right now? Like, <laughs> is this a thing I'm doing in a video game? Um, so writing the guides has been very interesting. What kind of puzzles in particular? Well, they're kind of, when you break them down, they're puzzles you've seen in other games before. Like one where you have to move their eggs, but blocks, basically move them around until you get the right block in the right place, you know? Gotcha. And then the best way I could describe a bunch of the puzzles is, do you know the old adventure games like uh, Monkey Island and all? Where it was yeah. just like, really, I have to do this to do this? Kind of a jump at certain points, but um, made better by if you can interact with something, it'll glow white. So you kind of have to work out environmental puzzles. 
And then every once in a while, just the you're here and you have to solve the block puzzle or the maze puzzle or something like that, which was fun. But I think it's the big environmental puzzles that are really pissing people off because you have to run all about a level to try and like, well, what am I doing here? Um, but but fun when you get it. And, and again, yeah, you're right. It depends on like, well, what do you like out of a puzzle game, you know? Um, you know, I, I, for puzzle games for me, I love it. Alien penises and vaginas. <laughs> then, Mark, I've got the game for you. <laughs> add this to the add context. <laughs> it's like not even human. It's like alien. Yeah. Very that's, strict about that. That's the other cool thing about this. You, you're just thrown into it and you don't know. Is this humans in the future? Is this an alien race? What happened to this civilization? Is it still around? Is it not? Who are these creatures? What is this gun I have? You ca I can't even call it pistol because it's not pistol. When I'm writing the guide, I'm like, the pistol-like weapon. The shotgun-like weapon. Oh, and another thing, don't go into this expecting any form of satisfying combat. That is, it, There's very little combat in this, and when there is, it's kind of annoying. It's kind of a puzzle in itself. You know, like, how do I defeat this enemy, or how do I run past this enemy to get to the next area? Uh, which so... is another complaint I've seen about it, which I sort of agree with, but it wasn't ever really bad for me so you do have a pistol at a certain point you get one a pistol like weapon yeah so i, I just wanted to see some images in the game and a uh, top story this is a true um article title scorn is true to geiger's work but needs more dicks <laughs> it does End not quote. need more dicks <laughs> end quote too, too many dicks that's my review could do a few it's like too many like, cooks. Too many you ever seen that video? Yeah. Too many dicks. Too many dicks. That is too many dicks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I'm already seeing like images from the game, and I don't know if this is like promo art or like stuff that's within the game. Mm -hmm. But uh, goddamn, it is it, it is, is cool. It is beautiful looking game, and, for, and, and this is an indie studio as well, by the way, which is why there were so many Kickstarters and yeah, uh, you know, funding towards it. It was announced over six years ago, so it's been a while. Um, and it is short. Maybe if you've been looking forward to it for a while, you're going to get disappointed by the length. But it was like the perfect length, in my opinion. If that obtuse puzzles and environmental storytelling like that with no dialogue went on for too long, I, I feel like I get a little bit sick of it. But I won't say mm -hmm. it at all. Why? Uh, and just to uh, make it clear, this is available on Game Pass, right? Yes. So it's available on Game Pass. Not sure about Game Pass PC. Sorry. I actually I think it is. That. Cool. Then you, yep, you can play it on Game Pass. So if you were like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to like it or not. Yeah. It's part of the subscription. Awesome. And this is random because we actually don't have any, like, new stories. Um, so there's actually a lot of uh, Oculus meta news that came out in a presentation mm -hmm. uh, some of it is just memes like guess what jess the metaverse has legs i don't well, mean that physically. i mean actually physically has legs yeah i saw someone saying like oh the sequel to arms has just dropped yeah. <laughs> <But> legs <laughs> and then like an actual cool thing like if you have i, I know it's the meta quest i just call it the oculus uh yeah. if you do have the oculus uh iron man vr that was a PlayStation VR exclusive is coming to Oculus. That is such a fun game. I can't highly request it enough. If you even like Iron Man, you'll love the game. 
and especially right. feeling untethered with the wire, like from the PlayStation VR. Mm-hmm. And you being well, kind of free, but you have to make your own boundaries. Like that's gonna be pretty cool. And only because you mentioned Game Pass uh, PC, you can play Game Pass games like Game Pass PC games in the Oculus. That's cool. Because... That is cool. I don't want to say ish. So Microsoft Flight Simulator. Mm-hmm. has like a vr mode but it's like available for steam so like something like that will be really cool but yet again it's like all right i'm going to the metaverse to play halo which sounds so cool but yet again um why <laughs> oh so like you're is it just like playing the game through a vr headset yes but you have to access it through the metaverse yes and it's like basically like your screen is like whoa i'm looking at this big screen like a theater and i can play games oh yeah because playstation vr did that i remember when i had it i watched i watched a wrestling show on it once it was pretty cool but you know i didn't didn't need to get put in a metaverse for it so imagine you got to play god of war on that Well, I was think actually a couple of this is another thing I wanted to mention, which is some people have been like clearly uh, the puzzles weren't meant to be this complicated or whatever. They didn't put this GTA testers, whatever they entirely did because they let they give us access. Anyone who had access to the game beforehand got put in a Discord server to help with the puzzles, so we could help each other out because we, you know, some of us were writing the guides, some of us were reviewing it, so you could complete the game. They know they're complicated puzzles. It's not that they're bad at the puzzle making. It, they they chose to do this. Um, Were but you yes, in it, the Discord server and be like, guys, where are the penises? There wasn't actually a lot of penis talk in the Discord server. And that's why I wasn't invited to the Discord, even if I had the chance. <laughs> I would just derail the whole thing, and uh, one of the mods would be like, Mark. There was stop. a lot of there was a lot of because uh, one of the puzzles involves an eggs early on so a lot of people got stuck on that there was a lot of egg talk and um was i gonna say oh yeah somebody was like i would i would like to play this in vr and someone was like what that's disgusting but i thought yeah because this is like an experience of a game for me it'd be really cool to look around and see this stuff in vr because it kind of would evoke a bit more cosmic horror because there's certain things that happen in this where you're just looking up at this like incredible alien architecture and technology and i feel like in vr that would be really cool like and really especially interacting with puzzles in VR, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'd be able to see it a bit more into some of what the puzzles were, or just a VR specific puzzle would be cool. I do like VR puzzle games. Very cool. Anything else about Scorn? Let's see. Did I? I think I did go over any everything. Yep. Like I said, just it's. If none of that sounded good for you, and if you didn't have a Game Pass subscription, absolutely pass on it if you don't like puzzles like that or gross alien horror like that. And if you do, it's a pretty good game and short to complete, too. Absolutely pass on it. Game Pass it. Wow. Xbox, Phil Spencer! Yeah. <laughs> We've got an idea! History. <laughs> Blank. That's period. That's it. <laughs> And that's my pitch. Yeah.
feel like you get a dial tone after that. <laughs> but on to me, uh, a game that I've been mentioning for a while. I remember, I think it was like our most anticipated game serve uh, back half for 2022. Number two took a lot of people by surprise, but you're like, yeah, this seems like a Mark game. It's Bear and Breakfast. Hey, you're a bear and you run a bear and breakfast. Is it a mark game then? What? Yeah. Is it a mark game then? Oh, it's a mark game. It's basically, uh, from the reviews I've been seeing, I have not played Stardew Valley, but Mm -hmm. it has very similar vibes. That's enticing. And I think one of the uh, underrated parts about Bear and Breakfast is the humor. Not only through, like, the dialogue, but the facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Like, there's one part where you talk to a, a beaver who's going to help you with construction. Because, you know, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So you play as Hank, this bear, and you're trying to, like, I need some help. And the beaver's like, oh, my God, you could talk. <laughs> and it's no, like, actual, like voice dialogue it's just like text box but you have like the facial animations and the bear is like really and then beaver's like nah i'm just kidding (laughs) and it's like that uh it's cute and adorable just like very precious yeah i'm looking at screenshots now and it is you're right it looks like a bear and breakfast uh stardew valley basically Exactly. And the uh, characters, uh, you have your mama bear, you have a, uh, I don't know, I'm pretty sure it is a wolf or coyote friend and a mole friend. I don't know animals, Jess. I'm just realizing that right now. I'm like, it's uh, um, a platypus. Yeah, do the scorn uh, technique. It's a platypus-like animal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, and just like this, uh, like running gag, like the wolf or dog, uh, likes watching movies, but she always falls asleep halfway. She was like, "Yeah, I was watching a movie about a dog, uh, Mario. I don't, I don't know what happens at the end." <laughs> and just stuff like that. I feel like the one criticism I do have about this. It easily turns to dark. And what I mean like that, it can be like day, and all of a sudden, like, I'm just looking around like, huh, what should I have for dinner tonight? And I go back to the screen, and it's nighttime. And it feels right. like nighttime's forever. And I'm like, that kind of just ruins the, I don't know, just. Do they have different tasks in, like, day and nighttime then? Uh, no, you can be doing the same task, like the, uh, Talk to the shark, mechanical shark, not a real shark. Okay. And then it's like, huh. What's going on outside? And you go back and it's like, ah, it's nighttime. And I don't know why, but then it's like, it's nighttime. It's like, oh, and it's quickly going to turn to day. No. You got (laughs) to sweep it off. Right, right. And just like 
I kind of, well, I did start it, but I'm not that deep into it. Like, I'm building my bear and breakfast. I know it's a bed and breakfast, but bear and breakfast. <laughs> yeah, you can have that name there and not use it. That, and there, there is a little bit, like, a story. Like, it's not creepy, a la, like, bug snacks. Mm -hmm. Like, that kind of darkness, but it's like, huh. We're going a little deeper and a little, uh, I'm not going to say edgy, just like, basically, we're, we're talking about the equivalent of, like, a, you know, like, that sleep paralyzed demon? Yeah. That. Ooh. Well, now you keep like, my interest even more. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is in the beginning game. I don't know if it comes in. And I'm like, yeah. what? Yeah. Like, That's it's the beginning of the game. And Hank, your cute bear, is talking in this monologue about, like, his thoughts and all that. And I'm like, so when do I get to build my cabin? <laughs> yeah. I feel like with these games, because I've also never played Stardew Valley, but I have played Stardew Valley Likes. I talked about one on the podcast, Little Witch in the Woods, and it has a like a through line storyline, although it's an early access, so it's not done. Um, and also, I've been playing Disney Dream My Valley, which I've not talked about on the podcast yet. But um, Ooh, talk about that. Well, it's it's I think it's the appeal of what the art style or what the IP, I guess, is for you coming into a Stardew Valley like game. Cause I mean I've always wanted to play Stardew Valley, but like Bear and Breakfast, I think I'd play over it just because of its cute art style, you know? Um, and the same like this it was Disney characters and Little Witch in the Woods. It was like, well, it was like witchcraft stuff. Um, so I've I've played like things inspired by Stardew Valley and all those Breaking things. news. Jessica hates farmers. No, and and it sounds like a game I'd really like. Like, you even have, like, the romance options in it and a lot of, like, system management, which I like in games. Don't know why. Um, but I just feel like I'm very superficial when it comes to games. <laughs> so <laughs> you you describing this cute bear and me looking at the images, I was like, 100% in. I'd play this in RB. And then, but, yes, sorry, to circle back on the point I was going to make, um, I, I don't feel like people mostly play it for the story it is like the system management like the farming or the bed and breakfast but i like that it's there so you're like oh what is happening with this weird yeah sort of not dark like, bear storyline it's not like build a house and then yeah. that's it like the game is very laid back it's not like oh, i gotta do this right now it's like hey mm -hmm. but that's why i kind of like the night thing it's like it doesn't make me feel laid back you know what i mean right got you yeah that's what I wanna, you're playing it for. Yeah. Like, chill on the weather. And, like, I'm surprised, like, like when you go to different areas, and just, like, the look of it was not what I was expecting in a good way. I'm like, wow, the art is mm. really good, especially for, like, an indie game like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, like, how... I'm not going to say gothic because that's not really the right word. And this is like these pointy trees and the rain's going down. It feels like. Imagine, you know, like those long videos on YouTube, they're 10 hours and they're like the atmosphere. Like it'll be like jazz music and it'll be like people pouring coffee. Yeah, I know them well. <laughs> so imagine that. But it was like Tim Burton's Tim Burton's. Yeah. Okay. He has multiple it, of them, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's he's not listening to Danny Elfman, but it's a like smooth jazz. Yeah. No, that sounds cool. Like, yeah, like you're playing these types of games for the the feeling and the atmosphere that it evokes more than uh, gotta do this, gotta do that, gotta solve the story, you know. And I do like I'm playing on the Switch, and I have talked about them before. Like, I do like how the Switch doesn't have achievements and trophies mm -hmm. because that's why I will play PlayStation Five. I will go trophy hunting. But yet again, like playing on the game, it's like I can just play the game. And I'll be like, oh, I gotta do this uh this task, or oh my god, I missed this. I I messed up. But Baron Breakfast does have uh achievements. Ooh, okay. But I'm looking at it and it's like all easy stuff, and it's not like any quote skippable or that's not the word. It's not like, hey, you missed this part. Well, sorry. Yeah, like if you play it enough, you'll get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just something like, it's not like you got to do like play this on extra hard difficulty. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, have a good time. Here's a star. And I'm like, thanks, Hank. Yeah, that sounds like a perfect Switch game, honestly. You're right. I'd pick this over Switch over something, some other console. Like even, I mean, if it was on uh, console, it would be cool. I, I would recommend it, but I feel like the layback atmosphere of the uh, Switch yeah. is really cool. And why did all these tabs pop up? It was <laughs> random. Yeah, because I know the Switch version is new. Didn't it get? It was uh, not not delayed, but a different release date than the console and PC versions. I, I feel like it technically didn't get delayed. Um, I was a little disappointed. I thought it was supposed to come out uh, before my birthday, mm. but I was like, ooh, we haven't announced a Switch date. Basically, it was something with like the controller itself. They had to figure it out. Right. So it was released last month in September. Right. And I figured I'm going to play Gotham Knights. I'll definitely talk about it next week. Mm -hmm. That was my number one game of like the year. And granted, that was before God of War, so just keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, like, say I played my games. Well, yeah. That's just me. But if you have a Switch, it's only 20 bucks. Good, good value, good layback, very cute art style, some funny bits. Highly recommend. And Jess, we also have another game for each. But this is interesting because these are games that we've been talking about and hyping up. Yeah. But we're playing each other's games because I see you're playing God of War. I am indeed. Yes. And? Um, well, I don't know if you or anybody listening remembers about me just talking about, you know what? I see why people like God of War, but it's just not for me. Like, it's one yes. of those big games I just couldn't get into. And... I'm here to tell you, I have never been more wrong about a game in my entire life. <laughs> Let's go! I don't know what was going on in my life two years ago where I was like, oh, this just isn't for me, but I thought I'd give it a try because I'm probably going to cover God of War Ragnarok. So I was like, I need some context of what's going on, you know? And granted, I, I will come to your defense. Like, sometimes you're not in the mood to, like, play a game or watch something or it doesn't appeal to you right there. But then mm -hmm. you revisit it, like, 
moments later, and it's like, ooh. Because that was some hesitancy with me with God of War, because I'm like, I don't know these old games. Mm-hmm. And someone's like, you don't need to. They mm-hmm. reference it a lot, some plot points, but trust me, you won't even notice. Well, so there's, I, there's... I, No, go ahead. So I just like, all right, let's just focus on this story. Mm-hmm. And I was immediately hooked. Well, for me, it's it was a long tradition of wanting to like God of War games and never getting into them. I, I've said it before, my favorite one has been the PSP one because I despise the controls in every God of War game. Like, I hate them so much. I'm not a fan of that hack and slash gameplay and I don't like where they map the buttons. Um, but I feel like this is, a, is, is another idea for a good podcast as well because this happened with the original Bioshock. It took me three tries to get into Bioshock and that one was because me I couldn't too. get anymore. Really? Well, not three, but it, it took me like uh, two times, and then I finally got into it, and I'm like, "All yeah. right, let's go." Yeah, like that's a really good thing to talk about. Like, what? Well, like, I only tried so many times because there was a limited amount of games I could play. You know, it was my brother's game collection. Basically, I was taking from. I was like, "I'll give Bioshock another go." This was for a different reason, and I feel like I feel like one of the reasons is because I give it more of a chance this time. Like, I only played until. Maybe like two hours into the game, maybe not even the first time. And I was like, okay, I get what this sort of gameplay is like, and I get this is a different type of story and a different type of Kratos, but it's just not for me. I don't want it. I had no idea what this game really was. Like, I just didn't. I didn't realize it was such a like sort of like a hybrid open world type game. Like you're exploring the the lake and all of the customization you could do with Kratos' armor and the runes and the enchantments which really improved the combat for me like my biggest complaint with the combat in this is I hate that the axe recall button isn't the same as the furrow button basically I, it, I get that it messes me up so much in combat and then I'm like just clicking and random things are happening I'm like ah, I hit it <laughs> but I understand now because I got further on I'm like oh you need to have a different button for puzzles like environmental puzzles which is another thing which I absolutely love about the game. Just just the exploring and coming across like a hidden area somewhere and then getting into, hmm, well, how do I get that in the other corner? How, what, how am I supposed to solve this? And how you use Atreus and his arrows, which I love, fully upgraded them where I am so far, which is about um, vague spoilers, I guess. I, I drained the lake for, the I guess, the final time. I've done it twice and I'm on to that area next. Um, and the only reason I haven't been playing more of it because I had like a, I, I played it a lot on Saturday night. And then when I got back from babysitting, I played it a lot on Sunday night and sort of work got away with me in the week. But I'm just desperate to go and play it again. Um, but Plague Tales out on Tuesday and Call of Duty's oh. out on Tuesday. Um, but I, yeah, I was totally wrong about this. I'm still not in love with the combat, but it is like vastly improved with like the RPG. I also didn't know it was like an RPG type thing where you get to, you know, improve my- your customize your builds and i absolutely love that uh i can't remember if it's called enchantment or talisman but you put it on your axe and you can shoot a beam of ice out of it yes oh my god that was just like that's what i'm doing (laughs) the majority of combat Uh, let me ask you has he gotten i don't know why my voice cracked maybe i'm just so excited (laughs) has he gotten any other weapons no okay does he get get other weapons (laughs) He gets another main weapon, and that's okay. all I'll say. That's interesting. Um, Besides the axe. Yeah, I'm I'm thoroughly invested. And while I still, I've never liked Kratos as a character. He was just an always an angry, shouty guy. 
and he and it was just like rage like it's interesting how you didn't fall in love with the combat because mm-hmm. i never played the games like i would just watch my sister play these games and i'm like okay yeah like i love like, the mythology mm-hmm. behind it like i don't know if that's why you were watching it that's why i was interested in trying god of war games because of the greek mythology also why i didn't think i'd like this because i'm not as into the norse stuff as i am to the greek mythology so i'm like well if i didn't like them i'm not gonna like this um but totally wrong because it's it's sort of like whenever you see the the is it the frost giant snake i can't remember its name the world serpent yes the world serpent you're just like looking up and it's like oh yeah like a Final Fantasy summon moment. You're like, that's incredible. Just seeing him in the distance, like while you're rolling in the boat. It goes, it seeps the world in the mythology. And uh, I think it's so well laid out, even the Metroidvania sort of elements, like you can't get to this until you get this thing for Atreus or whatever. I just, I was not aware that this world was so massive for one. I didn't realize this was such a long game. I assumed it was more like a, like Last of Us story driven Mm -hmm. game which it is very much is story driven but it's a lot more of exploration and puzzle solving which as you know i love in games so yeah complete 180 with it i'm sure you all know how good god of war is but not not i know and i'm i don't have that long to wait for ragnarok which i'm excited for oh it's it's coming soon yep yep um anyone who has beaten the 2018 god of war and yes, as soon as you like fit, tell me you're done with uh, the 2018, I'll send mm-hmm. you this. There is this video, uh, like this master video oh, on YouTube. It's called Untangling God of War. The channel is called Good Blood, and it breaks down like how this game twists the North mythology mm-hmm. and like all the creative stuff. And it's just so well told, so well edited. And even Corey Maglock was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Highly oh. recommend you watch this. Yeah, I definitely will. But only if you beat in the game, because you know, super spoiler. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm just so excited to have another huge I was waiting until I was gonna do the podcast immediately after I'm going to play God of War again and have like a six hour session on it. Because there's been a couple of sessions that really reminded me of playing Elden Ring, which is weird because this came out before Elden Ring, but I just get lost in the world so much. Mm-hmm. Just exploring even the even in the combat because it got better later on just a really really cool world to explore and i I love it so much (laughs) that and just like the relationship between kratos and atreus is just so well done and how it evolves especially from the start of the game is so good I'm very curious to see how that ends because I'm still I still don't like Kratos right now, even though I'm controlling him, which is I guess another issue with the game. But he's never been this sort of character archetype who I'd be drawn to. But it is very interesting his relationship with his son right now because I'm really like rooting for Atreus at every moment, every oh, lesson yeah. Kratos is trying to tell. I'm like, no, just leave him alone. But I'm very interested to see how that ends. Like, I feel like Kratos is always going to be a dick, but it's like, yeah. man, that's that's like. That's a kid. That's yeah. your kid. Yeah. But then it's like, okay. I'm not going to say I understand, but that's how he expresses love. 
Yeah, he is the god of war after all, I guess. We should all keep in mind. But yeah. Very and I'm also very interested to see because I don't really check out dev interviews. Well, I didn't check out dev interviews before this because I thought I wasn't interested, but I know this is supposed to be a geology, so it's this story is ending with Ragnarok. Are they going to continue someone else's story and like a, a God of War type thing, go to a different mythology? Like that's very interesting of where they could go. So we don't know. <laughs> so this is gonna end like the Norris mythology. Oh, they've said no more Norse? Well, I don't know, but like, like, instead of like a trilogy of games, like, yeah. they have come out and said, like, we don't want, like, this came, like, first God of War came out in 2018. This one mm -hmm. is coming out end of 2022. How many more, like, uh, four, five more years until you'll probably like 20, 26, 27. So mm -hmm. instead of waiting that, it'll just wrap up here. What happens to Kratos? We don't know. Is Atreus going to be like the, the main hero? We don't know. And that's why I'm so excited for Ragnarok. Yeah, that's interesting to me too. I like, is it going to be Atreus? Is it going to be? I feel like Kratos, in my mind right now, I sort of not has to retire like i know he's like the iconic god of war but with such a good story going on for Treus, and i haven't even finished it he could be a new or any of the the gods in this could be a new main character you could have god of something else you know like it, it really is kind of now that they've went to a different mythology it's kind of limitless where they can go now i mean in the next game you meet the god of war the norris mythology yeah mm -hmm. that big old tall guy yeah, so you, it, yeah, you're right. Different gods of wars and different mythologies. Yeah, and just like thinking back of like the 2018, they always revealed so much, and like Ragnarok is going to reveal like everything because mm -hmm. you see like um, base not the world map, but like you know like that circle or thing. Like you can go to this realm. There's yeah. realms that are locked. Yes, some like some of them you can't access at all but now it's like oh the next game we're going to that yeah and new worlds and odin and uh as you seen from the trailers thor that we talked about and how you know ragnarok the end of days what's gonna happen yeah i'm excited i'm hype <laughs> and then i'm hyped i don't have to wait that long either right after finishing this story too so sorry That's for the two-year oh, four-year wait. <laughs> yeah, it was more like a two-year wait for me, but you know. Oh, okay, yeah. But that two years, Jess, it killed my grandma. <laughs> this is canon. <laughs> I so I have to transport her ashes up the highest mountain, aka <laughs> my couch, and play this game. And once I hit the platinum, I will release her ashes, <laughs> which is awkward because she was buried. So I have to dig her up. There's a puzzle right there. Is it? Oh, please tell me it's not a scorn puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so happy. Oh, my God. You have like a little over three weeks. And by the time you guys are listening to this, like, I guess three weeks until... Mm -hmm. God of War. 
What a time to be alive. <laughs> like, that's why I'm excited for Goth Nights. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we won't talk about it. Like, it sucks the news about like 30 frames per second being capped at consoles. Yeah. It's not a deal breaker. It just kind of feels like a little cheated that we're finding out a couple days beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair but point. yet again, I've played, you know, I, I play games on the Switch. You think I'm like, where is my 60 frames per second? <laughs> no. Um, and it's like the big co-op, um, mm-hmm. an open world four player co-op with that kind of like is insanity and all that. But I am excited because I'm like, all right, I'm invested in Gotham Knights. Hopefully that will tide me over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It won't, but at least until like the last week. Well, I also didn't get to talk about this because I wasn't on last week, but another game that you recommended to me that I played was Plague Tale Innocence. Uh, another game I only had to wait a few weeks to play because of it. Like, I really loved it. Like, spoiler alert, it was incredible. Thank you very much, Mark, because you're the only person who really pushed me to play that. Nobody else was talking about it, I saw. Um, I remember, you know, like, when you see, it's only happened a few times in my life. You're watching a video on YouTube and then all of a sudden, like, here's an ad for a trailer. Mm-hmm. But you're so invested in the trailer. Yeah. There's, like, two moments I know vividly. One is a movie called Anna and the Apocalypse. Oh, great movie. Oh, you like? Oh, man, I love it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's an amazing soundtrack. Oh, so good. Amazing, amazing. And... um. Another one before that was a uh, Plague's Tale Innocence. And I'm like, what is this game? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I've never heard of this. Is this an indie game? This looks like a triple A, like it comes out from like a big studio. And then I saw the price tag, I'm like 50 bucks. I'm like, all right, I'm going to wait a bit. <laughs> but I'm like, damn. But yeah, even like an indie game, I don't, I don't know if you can call it an indie game, but I felt like at that time of like, this really unknown studio getting a ton of hype. I'm like, you know what? I can see why it's 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay it just yet, but I'm happy. Uh, I played it. I'm I'm excited for Wreck Room. I was going to say, are you going to play Requiem? Are you going to try and play it before Golf of Nights? Because it's so I, can... it'll be out by the time this podcast is up, actually. That is true. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm getting an Xbox. Um, that's a cr- a weird uh, Christmas yes. day. Yes, Game Pass, a weird Christmas day game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll play High on Life. Uh, for... Play all the forces, <laughs> all the Halo. I'll, I'll play Scorn. Scorn. <laughs> all right, family, settled on. It's Scorn time. <laughs> all right, uh, Mom, help me solve the egg puzzle. Hey, Mom, look at all these dicks. <laughs> Not the first time I said that. <laughs> What's the context? I don't know. Cut that out. <laughs> Never. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, so speaking of. So why am I not going to play Pig's Tale uh, Requiem? Well, that, and I don't even know how long the game is. Mm. Like, 
I always say like, ah, I wish I didn't have a job. It's like, no, I actually do wish I had this job. This is a good job. But it's like, man, you got to really like game manage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been playing a game you've been hyping up. I've been looking at it for a long time. Alan Wake Remastered. Yeah, part of our game swap. Mine God of War, yours is Alan Wake. Well, Mark, how are you liking Alan Wake? Safe space, it's okay if you don't like it. Good, because I loved it. Yay! I was only joking, I would have booted you out of the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... no, I'm glad so. Because this is, I'm curious, because see, whenever I like push people towards a game, like, oh, no, this is really good. Because I played it at the time, I don't know whether it holds up. Does Alan Wake hold up? That one holds up. I mean, of course, this is a remaster, not a full-on remake. Mm -hmm. uh, the environments are really beautiful and great. The facial animations, uh, no, but I'm not expecting much. Boy, Mark, did they mess up? Is it Barry? It is Barry Wheeler, isn't it, your friend? Yes. His face is something else in this remaster. <laughs> That's scary. It's better than my face. <laughs> no. <laughs> Aww. Yeah, that, that's a bare minimum compliment right there. No, Mark, your face is better than the Barry Wheeler remastered face. That's the only one where I'm like, man, did they mess that up? So you mentioned this in review that it does look odd that the cutscenes are 30 frames per second. Speaking of frames per second. Yep. versus 60 in gameplay. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't mind as much because I'm like, okay, remastered. Like, if it happened now, that yeah. would be pretty weird. But I feel like the biggest two issues before I go in the positives is the enemy variety. Fair point, yeah. Is pretty weak for me. It's like, oh, another axe guy. Ooh. Like, of course, they're all shadow people, but I'm like, wait yeah. a second. If you're taken over by the shadow, are you killing the townspeople? Mm-hmm. Damn, Alan Wake has a body now. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, I'm playing it. I'm like, I am I am going to kill these people, but I'm like, damn. He's a machine. Alan Wake, the Terminator, yeah. And then the two. Um, so if you don't know the gameplay mechanics, how you defeat enemies, you shine a flashlight on them, which gets rid of their darkness, aka the shield. They're still gonna attack you, so you kill them with your weapon, standard, whatever weapon, guns, pistols, shotguns, rifles, and all that. So. But when you're aiming to kill these people, it's the same button that you have with your flashlight. So mm. you're wasting your flashlight on aiming these enemies. You can just straight up, like, without any aiming, be like, boom, boom, and just hope it hits. And especially since you're close up. But I wish there was, like, L1 is how you shine your flashlight. And not have the same aim slash flashlight as the same button. And if you yeah. tell me I could have switched that, I would be so mad. No, I don't think you can. You can just 
well, look at the enemy and not zoom in, but then you're not as accurate, which is what I tended to do instead of and like it, hold, and holding it's not the like flashlight you're down. in the dark. <laughs> yeah, no, your flashlight's still kind of up when you do it. That's my only like tip. So whenever you've got the shields down, don't zoom in. Just shoot at them normally. But you're right; it's not very intuitive when you're used to just pressing this button to aim and that button to to shoot. Mm-hmm. The combat, yeah. It's not fantastic. I think when I go back and play it, it's fine because I'm used to it, but it's not intuitive and sometimes it really is not fun, especially those weird shadowy things that just throw things at you. Have you came across one of them yet? I hate them. Uh, I'm like, where are you coming from? Yeah, it's just like, oh, I'm just getting hit. It's like, who froze an axe, honestly? (laughs) Yeah, it's annoying. Um, But yeah, Alan Wake for me has always been about that like Stephen King, like Pacific Northwest spooky atmosphere, which is why I always recommend it to people yes. who aren't even who who do get scared in horror. I'm like, you could totally play Alan Wake. It's more about the atmosphere than I think I got jump scared once. Don't know about you. Where are you actually? Yeah, uh, like what chapter? Or... I just started chapter four. Oh, okay. Pretty fine. I've been on a hard binge and um I'm thankful that. And right now, if you're listening in the present, the game on PlayStation is just 16 bucks, which great wow. deal. Yeah, man. So, like, as soon as it started, like, Alan's, like, narration is very, like, he's writing this. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like that offer voice, mm-hmm. like, I yep. stepped into the woods and then figure out. It's like, that kind of hooked me because... It's a little cheesy, but I love that. It is, yes. It's like, yeah, it's got that cheese going on to it. And it's actually very appropriate that you're playing this because that's what the Midnight Club was about, telling stories, and it opens up like that, you know? Yeah. And And it's it's like, is this happening? And I've mentioned, like, I know the soundtrack, but how it's Mm. implemented, very cool. Did you get to the very cool music moment yet, Ben? You have, haven't you? no on the on the farm no oh you're very close then it is like have you played control i've have i know they well i don't know they always have a music moment but when i got to you play control right yeah that music moment Mm -hmm. was like one of my favorite gaming moments of all time oh yeah, same. And I feel like you don't get that moment in control without this moment in Alan Wake because they were like, oh, this works. It's a different gameplay thing, but it's, oh man, their Wait, remedy or so Alan Wake is not going to like fly and be OP. <laughs> Honestly, in this game, he could, you know, it's, it's weird enough. And now it's like, okay, I'm, you're feeling what I'm feeling. So you play this, I don't know when. Now with uh, next year, reportedly, I'm always saying reportedly because dates can always change. Yeah. Officially, Alan Wake 2 was coming out. You're right, yeah. I've been waiting a very long time for this. When did the original Alan Wake come out? 2009? 2010. 2010, so yeah. like 12 years. and then it, 13 it years. Remedy are very good at going on to new IPs. Whether I don't know whether because it didn't make enough money or because they just really like doing new ideas. I think it may might be a combination of both because you know Max Payne got sequels, but 
yeah, Alan Wake 2 is the one that everyone's like, please give us a sequel. It was like so open-ended. And you know, it even got that DLC in control. Like this is like the, I feel like it's the fan favorite Remedy um, property. And yeah, been waiting for a sequel for a very long time. Super, super excited for it. Especially because it's going in more survival horror. Like this is sort of like cheesy spooky stuff. Whereas the same, he did come out and say survival horror. That's what they're Even going like for. the teaser for Alan Wake Two and that little jump scare, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't see anything like that in the first game. No, seems like a very different vibe. Yeah, but and so that makes me really excited. And that I feel like Alan Wake is a great Halloween game. Yeah, for definitely. me right now and. Just a quick recommendation. Uh, we did a whole podcast, spoiler cast on it. Go play The Quarry. Yep, another great Halloween game. Until Dawn, Quarry, Alan Wake. Yeah. Oh, Alan Wake. Uh, Scorn. I, that, that counts. It's horror. Oh, but Alan Wake. Very good game. Just the oh. atmosphere, the the voice acting, the psychological mystery of like, uh, what way? What happened with Alice? Wait, um, I'm here, but like, it's not psych. It's not psychological, like douche, douchey. You know what I mean? It's not like, what does it all mean? It's like, no, it's. it's it can be a little like that. But maybe because I had my expectations low, because I'm like, ah, man, like anytime someone says like it's a psychological horror, I'm like, all right. Yeah, I feel like this really benefits from Alan being a writer, because a lot of it is about the process of writing and like muses and met like metaphors, like stuff that's going on. This is metaphor, which you can be like, oh, okay, but then you get this really cool atmospheric horror game out of it and yet again your description of like stephen kane and i'm like i totally yeah. like that blankets any excuse i have or issue yeah. with like the writing or the performances i'm like stephen kane i'm like yes yeah very much stephen king inspired this like this is stephen king the video game <laughs> you know if you've ever read one of his books with a a, a writer protagonist this is basically it which whether you like it you like it if you don't you don't but I sometimes it goes maybe a little bit too much into the well, this is what this could mean but I feel like it always pulls it back when it goes too far and exactly. it is like yeah it's like you know it's not mystical but you get what I mean like it's not it's supernatural supernatural thank you that's the word yeah supernatural horror doesn't tend to be grounded as much as other horror and it works with Alan Wake in my opinion. Awesome. So that is all the games we've been playing this week. Since we don't have uh, any new segments, we just went full into the games we're playing. I That's a good future uh, podcast here. Game Swap. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into that one. Yeah. What game? I don't know, but we'll figure it out one of these days. And the topic of Stephen King kind of translates well to our main topic because Netflix released another Mike Flanagan project, The Midnight Club. So we will be talking just general 
what we thought of it. We won't go into spoilers until we'll give you a, a fair warning beforehand, and boom. So I want to ask you, before we talked about the Midnight Club itself, Jessica, what is your familiarity with Mike Flanagan? Yeah, so um, I guess I was watching his stuff before I realized I was watching his stuff. It's one of those ones, um, like Oculus, uh, I'd seen and really enjoyed his horror film. Um, and Hush, which was on the other spectrum, I didn't really enjoy Hush. And I think there's a few others, but I can't really remember. We were talking about this before. I, I tend to forget what he's directed, yeah. um, film-wise. Uh, Ouija, well, he's done uh, Doctor Sleep. Yes. The was... sequel to The Shining, which impossible task, but I think he just hit it out of the park. He did Gerald's Game, a adaptation of a Stephen King, either novel or short story. I don't know. Yeah, novel. Yeah. Um, for Netflix, Hush was a Netflix one, and we looked for at the list because we were gonna. We talked about doing like a ranking of Flanagan stuff, but it's like. Wait, he did this? He did that? I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, oh, I didn't see this one. Yeah, like that's why I feel like when we are keep the movies out, because I don't, I assume you've seen all of the Mike Flanagan Netflix shows as well. Yes. Yeah, same. So I feel like everyone like that's exactly where I know him from. You know, he got big with Hunting of Hill House um, and then was less involved with Bly Manor, but still obviously involved. Uh, and then Midnight Mass and now this and... Yeah, I'd call myself a really big fan, especially especially after Midnight Mass. Like that oh. was so good. One of your like must watch things on Netflix, basically. Um, I am so happy that uh so when we have like the cute little headlines and like headings, we call that flavor text. And my favorite text for the Midnight Mass review I did for King Gamer, which you can check out on KingGamer.com, wink, is Thou Must Binge Watch. Yeah, that was a good one, Mark. Yeah. Also, um, I did the uh, review for Werewolf by Night. So Michael uh, Congino, I always butcher his last name, he directed and scored the special. Mm-hmm. So when uh, one of my headings was, uh, he shoots, he scores. <laughs> well done, Mark. <laughs> that's the best one I'll ever do, and there's no topping that. Yeah, that, that's really good. That's a 10 out of 10. Yeah. That's like, oh, that's a, that's a 10 out of 10. That's, <laughs> that's a, I, I had a, like, should I retire? <laughs> it's just that good. <laughs> but anyway. Back to Flanagan. I like it wasn't so uh blind manner. I'm like, oh my god, he did all these things. Right. And then I'm like, oh my god, this guy's a genius. Like, I'm like, all right, anything he comes out with, I'm in. And then Midnight Mass came, and that is my favorite project he's ever done. Yeah, same. And it was like He's known, especially for Netflix, for um, adapting things more than his own original work. That was his original idea and all stemmed from him. It wasn't an adaptation. Technically, it was. Do you remember seeing the book of Midnight Mass in one of his films? Well, yes. I think it was Hush. <laughs> and he, yes. Midnight Mass was originally a novel he's going to write. 
but he decided to turn that into a miniseries. Yeah, so technically he adapted it from his own work, <laughs> which is just just funny to think about. Obviously he didn't, but yeah. It's not um, like he attended it. He's like, ooh, what does it mean? It's like, <laughs> oh, well, this is how it actually turned out. Yeah, it was like a cute pre-Easter egg or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. But of all his works, and what was your expectations for the Midnight Mass? Have you read any of the Christopher Pike books? Because I knew it was a Mike Flanagan project, and I knew it was coming out soon, I actually didn't look into any of it. I was nev never aware of the books. I didn't know who Christopher Pike was. I didn't know if he was more famous in America um, than over in the UK or Europe, but had never heard of them in the club, had never heard of any of his other works. And only actually knew after watching the show, I was like, oh, is this an adaptation? It said adapted from the, the credits. I was like, I'm going to check this out. And I bought the book, actually. Um, so no, I'd never, I had no idea what this was before I even pressed play on the first episode, which was good in some ways and bad in others. Cause I was not expecting the young adult theme of it. Cause it's, it is different than his other works, which is dealt with more like grown up adults, uh, characters than this young adult, a group. As in, you didn't know, like, did you watch any of the trailers beforehand? Nope. Not a thing. I did. I'm like, okay, young adult, whatever. Mike Flanagan, I'm in. Have you did you have you read any of the books before? Were you aware of them? I think they were before my time. Yeah, I think I looked up. It was like 80s. They started coming out. Like I was a Goosebumps kid. Yeah, same. Yeah, it that that feels like this feels like Goosebumps before Goosebumps. But yet again, it's like Goosebumps is like ooh. Well, uh, this feels like ooh. <laughs> yeah it, do it does have a different vibe but i i feel like because this is a netflix project and they're known for all their young adult stuff it kind of it felt more like a netflix young adult project than it did a mike flanagan project to me a lot of the time which isn't necessarily a bad thing it was just a different vibe you know why because this is his first tv show as in this is season one but it's not like a mini series so that kind of threw me off yeah. at first and then i realized like oh wait a second they're probably gonna do like a season two which again i didn't know until i looked into afterwards because no spoilers when it ended i was like are you serious <laughs> uh, it's like wait, i'm what? used to getting answers from his stuff like you're right it's a mini series he has a start middle ending he's told his story and this i'm just like because <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? Uh, it's not like what was happening. It's more of like, huh, usually like at this point, like everything gets really ramped up and we're getting mm -hmm. answers, but not like big, huge reveals. But Yeah, like there was two underlying big questions, um, not of the stories that the, these, the kids were telling, but of, you know, the hospice its story that were just left there because i didn't know it was seasonal which to be fair is on me i didn't look into anything on this because i was like it's mike flanagan i'll watch it it's fine it it felt a little underwhelming the ending we'll we'll definitely talk about that and me trying to be like okay i get it uh, for anyone who doesn't know uh, what the show's about it's these group of terminally ill children I shouldn't say children young adults teens yes teens yeah yeah god i'm so old i'm like these kids these buckos 
but they all stay at this place for their terminally ill. Basically, I don't want to say like an orphanage, but what, what would you call this place? Well, they call it a hospice, but it's like, I guess you call it like a fancy hospice. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool hospice. Yeah, like it's for them to live out the rest of their life, basically, with um, people of their own age to have their which, own agency. Which, yeah, that's basically hospice care. Well, yeah. okay, hospice care is basically like someone who is like about to die, transitioning them, like, okay, like working out all the steps, death, making them comfortable. Yeah. But imagine yeah, like, what if we put these kids together and they made out? Okay, that's just a simplification. <laughs> but so they have a group called the Midnight Club. Every midnight, they go down, they tell scary stories. It's basically, are you afraid of the dark? Except these kids are not losers. And they're actually, yeah, they're not losers. You ever seen Are You Afraid of the Dark? Do you know what I'm it's talking actually, about? It's actually, I have heard of it, but I'd never watched it myself. It was my two older brothers had watched it and they loved it. I, I skipped it on my horror introduction when I was younger. Uh, I don't want to say it doesn't hold up. I mean, it is more, it is a Kate show, right? It's like Goosebumps. It is, but how I view it, I'm like, oh my God, what is this adult stuff? Yeah. I'm like, what? And like (laughs) these kids of like, yeah, we're in the woods and we have a campfire and we throw some dust in and we tell the scary story. And it's like, these Midnight Club are terminally ill children. Go home, losers. Real shade on Are You Afraid of the Dark here? Are, are you afraid of the shade? <laughs> Good one, Mark. Thank you. That's why you shouldn't have retired. Well done. Good decision. Continue. It's no, uh, he shoots, he scores. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so they, and they have like a, a deal with all each other. If one of them dies, they'll send a message via the afterlife. And it turns out this hospice care has some spooky stuff going on. But we'll get into all that. Um, I won't say a rating before we go into the spoiler cast. Would you recommend The Midnight Club? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of going into more detail on that. It's probably on my end, like from my experience watching it, just watch a trailer beforehand. Get yourself familiar with it. Um, and then to know what you're in for and obviously there's going to be other seasons which will alter probably how you feel about the ending exactly like i thought like his other like shows which are all miniseries i'm like Mm -hmm. okay resolution with some open-ended questions and it's like no this is a tv show with seasons of details that will be picked up in a season two yeah it's like ah so just keep that in mind before going in hand. I realized that like halfway, it didn't deter like my viewing. I loved the Midnight Club. Mike Flanagan, he does not miss. Yeah, fair point. Mm-hmm. I would recommend all of his, at least his Netflix shows. A um, couple of movies that didn't land with me, but yeah, he is fantastic at telling a story in the TV medium. I mean, we're. I mean, this podcast is going to come out getting a couple of days. I say definitely watch 
both like any like the haunting of Hill House, haunting of Bly Manor, Midnight Mass. I we can give our own rankings, but honestly, if you watch one of those three shows, you're gonna be in for a great time for the Halloween season. Oh yeah. Like imagine not having seen any of these and just having them being able to stack them up one after one. Jealous. Mm -hmm. And personally, uh, Midnight Mass is one of the few 10 out of 10s I have gave to uh, King Gamer. If I was personally first one, I would have given it a 10 to Mark. Yeah. Incredible television. Yeah. Watch Midnight Mass first. That's. Yeah, I feel like. I was going to be like, leave our rankings to the end, but number one, you should watch Midnight Mass. Yeah. There's no then, viewing order. You can watch you anything like you want. Build it up? Do you want to build it up to be like, what is probably the, the best one? You know? I already came by what's the best one? No, I mean like um, with someone just watching. Like, should they start with the weakest and work their way up or strongest and work their way down? But to be fair, I they're all great. Why Manor, which is fantastic, but out of like his miniseries, mm-hmm. that is what ranks uh third out of third mm. to put do it you want to just, just rank them now because we don't yeah. need to go into spoilers for it yeah you go what's your ranking of them of, of like all the, four not even just the miniseries um i would go midnight club number four only because we don't know the whole story yet mm. that's the advantage the other three has but it is still fantastic um it's going to sound like, really? But just hear me out. If you like young adult adventures, a la Stranger Things, that's like, if you don't know Mike Flanagan and someone likes Stranger Things, just say, uh, just, I don't know, watch it. Watch Midnight Club? Yeah. Yeah, it's got a very, um, if you've ever watched Fear, the Fear Street movies on netflix it reminded me quite a bit of them okay that's a way better example than <laughs> i'm like no Wait a second. I, i'm like i get what you mean because it's like mass appeal young adult stuff you know exactly not mm. so much the threats they face and how much of the supernatural you get yeah uh number three is by manor i love by manor I think it just had the disadvantage of like it came after Hill House and that really blew up. Mm. So people expecting like something like that. It was, but it wasn't. And it was a good amount of different. Hill House is number two. I It's a classic for a reason. If you have not watched it, watch it right now. But personally, I mean, finish this podcast. Actually, wait, you haven't watched Midnight Club. Stop. What are you doing? Don't spoil <laughs> yourself. Um, but thanks for listening. Yeah, uh, Midnight Mass is number one. How they explore religion and faith and loss and grief and the scares and the and the acting performances and the setting of this coastal like main town. And all the characters and what they go through and like Christianity and uh, the Muslim religion is. And I don't want to spoil like what the threat is, but a very unique uh, take. Oh, it was so good. And it is one where, you know, we we're talking about the Midnight Mass didn't really get that amp up. Midnight Mass so did. It was the big build up and then just the big <laughs> conclusion, you know, because um 
midnight. I don't want to say slow. Like it's it takes its time because mm-hmm. it, it sets up this whole town, everything that's going on, and what midnight mass is. I should have explained the other shows. Um, it centers on Riley, who a couple years ago um, killed a young girl in a drunk driving accident. He's released from prison and he goes back to his hometown, this coastal main town that's on the island. And is a very small community. And all of a sudden, one day, their old priest gets replaced by this young guy. And then it just sets the ball in motion. Yeah, slow burn, but in a really good way. I was never left at the end of an episode being like, well, that was a bit boring. Because all of the characters, as well as the story, is very interesting. And the performances, and the twist, and like, you really care about these characters. Oh, yeah. And Samantha, is it Samantha Sloan? Sloan? As Bev? Oh. Oh my god, so good. And I wasn't really aware of her before, but she probably, oh, I don't know. Hamish Linklater was pretty good too, but my god, everyone was just so on point with their acting she in this. Was you love to hate her? Oh yeah, she is the definition like, of love to hate a character. You like? I- I'm sorry for my language, but it's like, oh, what a cunt! <laughs> That's it. it. Really is. That's it, Mark. Yep. You're like, oh, but man, it's interesting watching it's her, like, isn't oh, it? You... Yeah. <laughs> but it's like. Without any context, when she says dirty blood, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a, a performance that will just incite anger in you, but man, is it good to watch, you know? And I mean this in the highest compliment to both actors. It is Joffrey-like from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, that is a good comparison. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, the sheriff and all that. I was so it's seven episodes long or mm-hmm. eight. I think it's seven. Seven, yeah. So a lot of episodes, bits of miniseries and all that. So the second half of episode six, I've never been on the edge of my seat, yelling at my TV, going, "Oh no, oh whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa!" Oh. And it's just because everything is just building up to this climax, and it happens, and it's like what yeah it was incredible it was so good and it was made even better by like uh, i don't know if anyone i haven't really i've read your review i didn't read anybody else's review but um it was very from dusk till dawn you know like make the characters in the foreground to begin with build them all up and then boom here's the horror you know yeah except these characters are Okay, I don't want to say From Dust of Dawn is not likable, but you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just the general concept of doing that. They've, oh, yeah. Mike Flanagan did a much better job because it's a TV show as well, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a TV it show, and you get these, like, these layers that come out of, like, okay, this is happening, this scare, this mm-hmm. creature, and everything that builds up, and just, like, the monologues and that. Oof. Is your rankings the same as mine? I'm not sure about my but definitely Midnight Mass is number one. I'll do the opposite. Midnight Mass number one, everything we've said, like it, it like it's like necessary Netflix viewing. And even if you aren't really a fan of horror, this would be one where I'm like, 
please watch it because you're right the way it explores just like human interaction with each other and the catholic faith and other faith yeah like muslim faith like raul coley is the, the oh, sheriff i i love any flanagan and raul is just mm, chef's kiss yeah and i love that like he uses like the act like it's not surprising a lot of people do is like he uses the actors he likes mm-hmm. yeah and it works so well uh and we'll talk about the actors in midnight club um you mentioned like if you're not a fan of like horror my mom hates horror and when i say like she loves all of flanagan's like netflix stuff it's not like oh so it's not scary no it's scary but she's so drawn into these characters and the world building and the performances and it leaves you more that's why flanagan's so good yeah he knows to prioritize character over a cheap jump scare which he doesn't even do a lot of cheap jump scares it's we'll, we'll talk about the cheap jump scares in midnight club uh, <laughs> it's still in a good way mm. um because it's more of a commentary but anyway yeah um, uh go on after midnight mass i would definitely go hunting of hill house as well um it sort of set the groundwork for what he does now like what he's known for and I think it's just do you prefer haunted house type horror or do you prefer I don't even know what you'd call Midnight Mass uh, like the whole vibe of it haunted house horror like this coastal main um, town the small fishing town because they are I know different. you're trying to describe it but Midnight Mass some people really like their haunted horror stuff, and it is oh, very, yeah, no, very I, I good. I love haunted horror, like especially because I love the uh, original, uh, the haunting. The haunting, yes. Uh, movie from the sixties, um, fantastic. Uh, something like that, but just the uh, the themes and the scares and what they take. Like it's not a ghost. It's mm. a creature. What this creature is from popular media, I won't say. Mm-hmm. But it's just. I feel brilliant. like he had he had a really. It's hard to do good haunted horror because or haunted horror house because it's been done so much. Like this was a staple of gothic Victorian horror, like over a hundred years ago. Like they were doing this, and yet he put a unique spin on it. Exactly on, on an adaptation of an already fantastic book and movie, like. That's how good this is. He he prioritized the game character and family. Like he really been dieseled that. <laughs> it's about family, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Mike playing against Fast and Furious. <laughs> that oh, that would produce me to tears. <laughs> um. So yeah, really love Top Two, but for me personally, Midnight and Mass was better. Just it was like his magnum opus. Like it had been building towards this the entire time. Uh, which is interesting, I think, because my two least favorites are the ones that followed my favorite Mike Flanagan project. So I still love Bly Manor and I still love Midnight Club, but they followed Bly Manor, followed Hunting of Hill House and mm-hmm. Midnight Club followed uh, Midnight Mass. So they followed my top two. And yeah, like, where do you go from Midnight Mass, really? Which is where I fought about with uh, Hill House and then he did Midnight Mass. So it. And then I'm, I'm so hyped up. He is going to do an adaptation or whatever he's doing of Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Edgar 
Allen Poe and Mike Flanagan. In. Yeah, Fall of the House of Usher, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah, but, and Mark um, Hamill's going to be in it. Like, that's got oh. an incredible cast as well. Raul Coley's back. And I feel like because this is a TV show, mm-hmm. uh, Midnight Club, a lot of his usual, like, his wife, uh, Raul, other people are not in the Midnight Club. Yeah. Because House uh, of Fall of Usher will be more the miniseries. It's like, yeah. okay, we need you for that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, definitely, yeah. This is like, he's very, it's like what uh, Netflix are doing with Ryan Murphy. You know, he has his miniseries and he has his series. You know, American Horror Story. Oh, that's um, just that's just Ryan Murphy in a nutshell. He's like, right? I like yeah. you or you're, you're a twink. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Come on on the you're, show. You're either a, a twink, uh, a twunk, or uh, an Sarah old... Uh, what? <laughs> Sarah Paulson. Oh, Sarah Paulson, Evan Peter, you're kind of a twink. Used to be. <laughs> uh, old Hollywood starlights. And yes. um, up there, it's like, you know, I really love Kathy Bates. I love, I really love <laughs> Angela Bassett. And it's uh, like, yeah. Thank God, thank God he does. Yeah. You know, oh, thank God. Like, say what you yeah. want about Ryan Murphy. You can say a lot, but it's like, hey, we got our, uh, God, why am I blanking on your name? Uh, the Jessica Lange. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what talent he has in his TV shows is weird as fuck TV shows. And yeah. sometimes I'm like, oh, well, that's a stretch or that's not good. Like when he hits, he hits. Yeah, definitely. Or oh, we could have a whole other Ryan Murphy oh. podcast. <laughs> yeah. But, but for for the bottom two, I, I don't know whether what I I think I might prefer Bly Manor. But then like you're right, this hasn't this hasn't finished yet. It's, it's weird to try and rank them. If we're just going off season one, I would put Midnight Club at four and Blind Honor at number three. Because, you know, it tells its story and it, it wraps it up nicely. And it's another haunted house thing. And actually, it's one of my favorite horror films of all time. Uh, the Why am I blanking on her name? Deborah Kerr was in the movie of the black and white, The Innocence, they called it incredible and probably the best version of this story out there still even after Bly Manor um it does do different stuff obviously Bly Manor but I just whereas with Hunting of Hill House he he adapted it in a way that was new and unique I don't think it was new and unique enough for Bly Manor Mm -hmm. um except for I really like that episode you know it was just Kate Seagal's old-timey character yes that was a fantastic episode. I loved it. And I started going, are we really going to have a whole episode of this? I don't want this. By the end, I was like, Jesus, give me more of them. <laughs> but I think uh, that this wraps up our no spoiler talk. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So if you have not watched the Midnight Club, even though it's it's bottom of your list because something has to be on the bottom. It is yeah. still fantastic highly recommend just know going into it it's uh not a mini series there's still a lot of questions answered because there will be a season two probably it's top 10 yeah like of the so far of the week so no worries all right spoilers 
and then spoilers for Midnight Mass. Vampires, 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 lots of vampires. Oh, the, the the whole church sequence was so good. Everyone's dead. <laughs> oh, and then just singing at the oh, end. Yeah, oh, yeah. And the, uh, very good. Club. Very good connection with the Midnight Club, though, because one of the best things I think the Midnight Club did was show just how easy it is to become part of a cult if you're desperate enough. If something is happening in your life that you're desperate for Christianity, a, a religion, you need something to cling on to. Religion's there and cults are there, you know, and it's... Sometimes from- those lines become very blurred. Exactly. And it was, it was, I feel like it was very good just for me personally watching because I didn't know what was going on or anything. I was like, are these the good guys? Are these the bad guys? I was sort of invested with Alonka in um, whoever Samantha's character was. Julia? Sort of culty, good vibes, or not good vibes, Jesus, good humor. And honestly, like, I'm, which I'm like, good humor. Isn't that a, isn't that a brand of ice cream? Is it? In America? I'm like, uh, ice cream. That's so strange. But honestly, I, I didn't trust her because I was still thinking of, uh, what was her name? Bev from Midnight Mass. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you're evil. I know you are. <laughs> Why are you so nice? Yeah. 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 But, I feel like it wasn't all that hidden that she was Julia, but I sort of, you know, obviously you're, you're rooting for these kids. You want them to, not die at the end of it so it's like yeah i want yeah. this to be real so i was with her like sort of getting tricked with her and then she said something very like oh no we're your family you can stay here as long as you want and i'm like eh. it's like ah no mm-hmm. but we didn't say it was in the uh no spoiler talk but i, br- I brought up the whole uh, how uh ryan murphy likes the people he works with yeah. and he'll bring in people that you haven't seen in a while and then boom, mm-hmm. Heather Landing Camp. Yeah, yep. I oh, and you know what, Mark? I my was like, God, I was so dumb. I was like, Where do I know her from? <laughs> where, where is this lady? I was like, Ah, like, and she's been active behind the scenes, like, uh, her and her husband, uh, special effects, makeup, like that side of the business. Mm-hmm. But for her to have not just like a cameo, like she was actually in like an Orion Murphy show as just like a cameo, which hey, cool. And who knows if she wanted to do more, but like as a main pivotal role. And she and nailed it. She was. And that's why I was kind of more, one of the most disappointing things was like, well, who who really is she? Because it obviously doesn't tell you, it just teases yeah. it right at the end. Yeah, at the end. She goes to her room. You see all these old, like super old newspaper clippings. You see, like, I think it's a picture of her son. And she looks herself in the mirror. She takes off the wig. I'm like, I knew that was a wig. I'm like, like, I don't trust you, but I think that's a wig. And then the last shot, it just pans over to her bald head and right at the neck. It's the Paragon symbol. Yeah, that's the whole last shot in the whole thing, isn't it? Yes. Mm. So if that was a mini, if this was a mini series, it would be really frustrating because I'm like, wait, wh- wh- what? 
But yeah. all right, season two, we dive more into her. I, I think. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. God. But I think what Midnight Club also did with his other works is after a certain episode, I have to stop and really take everything in because I'm emotionally destroyed. Let me guess. Anya. Motherfucking Anya. Yeah. See, as soon as I saw that the time it was called Anya, I'm like, well, this is the crying episode, isn't it? Well, I didn't. Um see that like they so we'll we'll jump all over the place just moments that work mm. and didn't work I, I think just didn't work it's just like we kind of talked about this a lot in the general topic just the we expected more but we didn't yet again that's just the nature of tv we just thought it was a miniseries that's on us yeah yeah that was a a mistake on us what was your like going into this you said you saw one trailer was it the same as me you just didn't want to like look into anything on it i watched one trailer but i didn't go back and rewatch it right yeah i'm like all right like i'm, I'm in mm -hmm. yeah and it wasn't until, like episode three i'm like is this a miniseries and then i saw uh i looked on the wiki and it wasn't i'm like oh so that kind of like set the mood for me. Mm -hmm. Of like, all right, you want immediate like information, you gotta wait. Yeah. And I think as well of what worked and what didn't work, I didn't enjoy the overly young adult themes to it. It's just always the same, you know. You you know what's gonna happen with the couples and whatever, but I get that it kind of has to be there because it's it's a young adult TV show, you know. Is that but, true? Yes. But did I love the characters that I don't mind all the tropes? Yes. I love them separately, I think. When you anytime in TV shows where you just like band characters together, I sometimes they lose a little bit of their own personality. Oh yeah. And, I, and especially yeah. when they like break them off. It's like, yeah. oh, so I'm not supposed to like them? Like Yeah. Yeah. That's um what else was I going to say? Oh, yes, but uh, on the flip side of that, what I really loved was the whole implementation of... Is it Christopher Pike? Is that who you mean? Is that who it was called? Yes. Which is interesting because that's a captain in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I thought this... I'm like, really? Yep, captain, captain Pike. Um, I'm like, huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Because when you Google it, that's the first thing that comes up. <laughs> it's like, that's right. Um, Imagine it was like... Uh, like Christopher, like something else, and I just messed it up. Yeah, the SEO on that is all weird. <laughs> but, um, no, it is. Uh, well, he, that's his pen name. His real name is Kevin Christopher McFadden. Oh, okay. I thought it was Kevin Christopher. So I Pike, guess he was just a big Star Trek fan. <laughs> yeah, big Pike fan. Um, I can't wait for my uh pen name to be Han Solo. <laughs> Um, what was I even talking about, Mark? The uh, Christopher Pike. Yes. So I really like the way that this, because again, didn't know until I, I finished it all, because I wanted to, honestly, I wanted to buy the book. I wanted to buy The Midnight Club so I could know how it ends or how it ends in the book. So I, I bought that right after watching it and was doing my cursory searches. And it was, so it's a series based on The Midnight Club, but the stories they are telling in The Midnight Club is based off other stories 
that Christopher Pike has has wrote in his novels, which I think is really cool. Like, what a cool... It's like the metaverse, but for the Midnight Club, but done well. (laughs) The Midnight Club has legs. The Midnight Club has legs. I didn't Um, realize that until... um, I forgot what story, but I'm like, oh, are these the books? Yeah. I think it was a really cool way of doing it. Because before I watched the show, I'm like, oh, because I didn't know how many books. I'm like, okay, so is this going to be like the Midnight Club? And then the next show is going to be like the sequel Mm. book. And Mm -hmm. it's like, no, Christopher Pike's books are all separate. But this is just a good vehicle to like express like the like when they tell the story and the whole visual aspect, like the aspect ratio changes, but it feels a lot more cinematic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And whenever and, they do like black and white, like oh, when it was this sort one. of a, a noir, um, like a campy noir short story. That's what I like as well. I love anthology stuff. So this was like, oh, this is like made for me, like, like horror so, short stories. Imagine an anthology show that was also a TV show. Like, the stories that they come up with are the anthology. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not... The only reason, like, they're connected is they're a good way to have insight into the character. That's exactly it. And I think the stories are chosen and adapted very well to... Sometimes it's a bit on the nose. You're like, oh, this is a metaphor for this. You're like, well, this is obviously this and that, but it's not the point of it you're right it's to explore the character more it's like here's me explaining why i am the way i am and it when it works it really works and then sometimes it's just like an incredible for me it felt more like uh twilight zone episodes than horror short stories by the end it was more like sci-fi and magical realism than horror exactly because some of like the stories like the I forget like what the actual story is called, but the two Anyas, yes, but, like or mm. two Danas, yeah. But it was Anya playing Dan, yeah, yeah. But it was like um the two like it's basically like oh yeah here's your canup like canuppins like oh womp womp that was like oh that's classic Twilight Zone, and mm-hmm. then like the sci-fi twist with uh, Misha. His story of like oh like v- like they're actually from the future and these lights and maybe they're angels yeah and it was a good way to be like because the way they're saying it this is kids telling these stories are like yeah sure at the end he just throws in actually yeah. you know what they're angels <laughs> and what i liked about like um when i mentioned the jump scare like, so episode one has the most jump scares. Like, it's a Guinness Book record. And you might think of, like, oh, my God, this is going to be really scary. No. Maybe you're scared. I, I wasn't. But the vehicle of, like, like, of, like, the cheap jump scares. And they're commenting, like, that, that's not, this is not scary. You're just startling them. Like, you're just going, boom. And I felt that's kind of like Flanagan's views on jump scares. He uses oh, yeah. them. He arguably has one of the best jump scares, like a top he's ten just, one. He's sparingly though, and it but is. What he does. Yes, they're scary. 
and he he builds up to it as well, you know. Exactly. Yeah. What was your favorite story that the kids told? I was going to ask you this as well. Um, because when I realized they weren't, one of my issues with it is that they weren't really horror stories by the end. Like, I guess if you were like, no, this is horror. It should be horror story. Like it, it does veer off into sci-fi more, but saying that my favorite stories were probably the sci-fi ones. Um, like <laughs> the one with Raul Coley in it, where it was, here's this video game. You've got to work out this missile problem. And it was that weird angel time hopping thing. It felt more like a campy episode of Black Mirror then um yes yeah um i really like that one and honestly i really like anything with anya in it i think she was the best actor and the best character in this which is why her death hit so hard and perhaps why the ending didn't land for me as well because you know she's just not there anymore um but yeah her two dna's story because i feel like that that is horror that is a classic like you said twilight zone um episode right there like making a deal with the devil so you can be two people at once uh, I'm, I'm sure there's been a twilight zone, multiple twilight zone episodes of that like i I've, I've seen this before because i'm like okay i know how this turns out yeah but i was yeah. so invested and just seeing like the when i watched the anya episode i'm like oh mm-hmm. like now I'm thinking back to this tale of two datas and this is what happened. And then I'm like, oh, everything's like coming into place. Yeah, that was also another favorite. It's like technically it wasn't a story, but it was like as she was dying, she got that experience of having her own little world for a while uh, with multiple stories interconnecting to make her realize that she was well, going to die soon. We'll touch on the Anya episode. Yeah, just that, that the two DNAs and I thought route, that was the best episode. It certainly made me cry. <laughs> um, uh, you know what? Let's just talk about it right now. Because... No, no, no. I want to know your favorite stories. Like, first, was there any other ones or did, were they the same? Of your favorite? Uh, the two Danas. Because the first one wasn't like the first episode had a story, but I felt like this is like. Yes. It exactly. wasn't like the. Um, I feel like other shows would be like, this is a story, but then it's like five minutes and then it like, and then we, you know, go 20 minutes later and the meeting goes back and it's like, hey, what was the rest of the story? Mm-hmm. Like it it took 30 minutes or 20 to 30 minutes to tell a whole story. Do they do it in parts like with Kevin? Yeah, but they're also 20 minute segments. Yeah. So we're getting lost in the world. We will hear commentary from like, wait, like the other kids being like, wait, what? And it's like, just hear me out. I really love the visual style of Sandra's. The whole noir. Yeah. Yes, the style of that one was very cool. And I love the over-topness, over-the-topness of it. That, uh, hmm. And actually with that one, I really loved her because, you know, she's like religious and Christian. So instead of smoking, it was a toothpick. <laughs> It was that, and then all of a sudden at the end, and they're angels. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But it was very, like, heartwarming, because I'm like, oh, these are connected to the characters, because she's trying to s- tell Spencer, like, hey, who has AIDS, and they had a big fight early in the episode, like, I accept you. I'm sorry that everyone else is so shitty. 
Yep. That's not what God means to me. And she gives like, and Spencer gives like a kiss to Sandra. What I think it's extra heartwarming because I didn't until the Anya episode. I'm like, when does this take place in the nineties? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't like, go to yeah. And then it's like time in the life plays. I'm like, okay, that's like 97, 98. But I think that was extra poignant that like Sandra accepted that kiss because AIDS paranoia was so high that they yeah. thought like just touching another person, just like a poke, boom, or a hug or a kiss, you get AIDS, which is not the case. Yeah, which is very it also told very well when Anya got blood on her from what was his name? Oh, I forget his name. Spencer? Spencer, yes, when Anya got blood as well, and she was like, Look, don't worry about it, you know. When they're and doing freaking the out. Control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like it was it was within its own narrative and within the stories, they they told their character stories very well, which is why I really like the story system. Yes, it's on the nose a lot of the time, but it's better than just going, I forgive you. Oh, okay. You know, things that you saw before in TV. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that the uh, Mish story was very good. Um, the, oh, uh, what's her name? The uh, search of an N. Oh, uh, she's not called Nash. Hold on, I'll get it up so we're right. Where is it? I just can't pronounce. All my tabs. Oh, is it Natsuki? 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 Yeah. God, I hope we're pronouncing it right. Me too. Her story of like the hitchhiker and of how that relates to her trying to commit suicide in just a dark somehow real life twilight zone twist of like you live but you will die mm. yeah mm-hmm. which I, I i i don't know if i ever said this before anytime they show like a message on screen at the end like our uh rest in peace this actor or if you or anyone else need help it can be like hey i'll be like he said, hey, the, the screen said, well, anytime they cut to black and it's a message, it can be like, damn, girl, you're looking fine. I'm like, it was, he's, damn, you looking fine. I'll always tear <laughs> up. I'll break down. <laughs> we find your, your trigger oh. for crying fading to black in a message. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, rest in peace. Or if you or anyone need help, or it can just be something stupid like, uh, I don't know, farts. And I'll be like, (laughs) (laughs) farts. Oh, God. That's a very uh, unique trigger there. Makes sense for the first two there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But no one has done that yet. The the last thing, yet. We'll wait to see the next series of Rick and Morty. They would. And I would cry. But yeah, I feel like we can go on to if you want to talk about the Anya episode now. <sighs> Apart from just breaking down and crying, you know, which was to be fair, was a surprise to me because, like, you know what's coming. 
it's coming. It, they've been talking about it since the beginning episode. And you're like, it feels like they're prompting you, like, this is the sad episode. But it still, still made me tear up. And no, I was, so... I was a dummy, Jessica. I didn't realize until the end. Oh, it was so... Because that's I, why I was that's why I was like behind Alanka a lot of the time when she was doing all this stupid stuff because I feel like she suffers from main character syndrome where she has to do the dumb thing to, to progress the story. You know? And at first, I, I wasn't a I shouldn't say not a fan of Anya, but it's like she was initially mm. very cold, but mm. then like how she warms up, and I loved her monologue about when I think it's the third episode, second or third episode, or maybe even fourth. Spencer gets a, a cut and you know, no big deal. It's just a small cut, but he freaks out and he, it's revealed that he has AIDS and Anya has this angry reaction to uh, her because she gives like a pity, like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's like, that's not the same reaction that we have. Cause we have cancer. He has AIDS. It's either super pity. Like you're done or you're shunned. Mm -hmm. And just that, I'm like, okay. I love you, Anya. Yeah. Like, she's I also, get you now. She's like, you know, every good Mike Flanagan series has a good speech giver. She's the speech giver. She's very good at it. She's also great at the comedy because I loved when, um, was it Olanka was throwing up and she was offering her, her tablets. <laughs> she was talking about it being, don't be a diner. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> It is a <laughs> morphine. She that timing on that was perfect. It, it, she's she was definitely the breakout star out of this, and I feel like everyone in the cast did a great job. I was invested, but man, agreed. Yeah, breakout star is a good way to put it. I feel like people watching this would be like, ah, I want to hire her. <laughs> yes, mm -hmm. I would hire all of them, but it's like if we had to rank them. It's number one. And they got me with the Anya episode at first because all of a sudden it's uh opens on black and you just heard beep, 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 and it opens up on a grocery store. You just scanning items. I'm like, mm -hmm. and at first I'm like, is this a flashback episode? Yeah. And, then I'm, and I'm like, wait, it worked? Wait, she's alive? Wait a second. Why is there conveniently a ballerina studio or ballet studio and a uh, like a video game shop? Wait a second. Who's she living with? I'm like, oh, I don't think she's really all right. And just it's like, like, oh no, <laughs> yeah. And you know. Leading up to the uh, episode, she's like tearfully like begging, like, I want to live. I don't want to die, even though she's so uh, cold hearted in the beginning. And you feel that so hard. Like, oh, my gosh. So I'm like, are you are you alive? What's going on? And then I'm like, wait, did the ritual work? What was the ritual? Those yeah. questions I had in the mind. But I'm like, wait a second. And then just like everyone joining outside the hospital room to tell the story and like, and then she dies and I'm a wreck and I'm expecting a fade to black. And Mike Flanagan's like, no, bitch, you're going to cry. 
because they they all like mourn for her at the midnight club, and this is what I liked about Heather Landenkamp's character. It wasn't like she was the villain. Mm-hmm. Definitely mysterious, but even when she shuts down the club, she's like, "I love this club. We all know this club exists, but it's like you took it a step too far. It sucks. I don't want to do this." And they're like, "Let's pour out her ashes." And what song do they play? "Time of Your Life" by Green Day via cello. Yeah. Dramatic hate life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I and then like they end with like a scare. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, ah oh, god. And I, bit, I re- stop and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a stop here for a wee bit episode. Because I feel like wasn't there like three episodes after that? Yes. Yeah. Um, the bit that well, I mean, it all got me. The bit where they were all outside the room doing it um her like you said before screaming that she wanted to live but when Olanka went in and talked to the janitor as he was making the bed i was like oh my god this is so fucking sad because oh, it like harkened back to two of like the knee like on in the bed and it cuts to morning uh, yeah whatever it cuts yeah to yeah the next day mm-hmm. or whenever and it's the f- very neat sheets all Which that. you saw in like the second or third episode when was it Triss she was called died. Um, yes. So yeah, that was very good at interconnecting it. He, that's another thing. Mike Flanagan is very good at the tearjerker stuff. You know, he he has a lot of heart in his horror, and this one I believe has some of the most of it because there's less horror, there's more heart. If you get what I mean. Also, this is very random about Midnight Mass, but I'm just thinking about my parents. I watched the final episode with them, and I'm like, yeah, and they're all zombies, and they're dead. Uh, Like, all vampires, and they're dead. And they're like, no, they're zombies. I'm like, explaining to them. I'm like, no. Zombies? Okay. No, they're vampires. And they're like, oh. (laughs) Like, that makes sense. That yeah. makes a lot more sense. I don't know why that just popped up in my mind, but just oh, maybe it's a good thing this mini series wasn't uh, this wasn't a mini series because everyone would just be dead. Yeah, I was thinking that too because when I realized it was a series, I'm like, so I'm gonna have to watch all of them die. Uh, that's not gonna go well. Oh. Uh, but then I'm, I'm curious to see whether this that's one part I did not like the well, it's not a conclusion but the ending where they ended it where uh, Julia you know just was like laughing as she goes up the elevator and that's it that's like her last bit and it was the ritual before that uh, I felt like that was a little rushed and I just didn't like where they ended that it's just like come on you were building up and up and up even for season one and then to just end it there I mean, I like the Dr. Stanton stuff of like, okay, like, who is she? Like, I'm like, okay, season two, let's go. Even though I was already like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, do we think that she killed, like, she's actually from like way back when? And she's just like, not killing the people. Like, technically, they're dead. 
Yeah, it's actually a good time to talk about theories because that's what I thought they were going to, before I realized it was a season one, they were going to reveal that that's why she keeps the kids here so she can feed off their dead energy like that creature that uh, Natsuki was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, about who would feed on their possible, like the time they didn't have, basically, because they're dead. I f- feel like they're either red herring that or that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, does that make Stanton a good person? Like, is she the bad guy? Yeah, I guess they're going to go into like a, a gray area. Like, well, they're going to die anyway. So. But then she she's immortal. But is she? Is this what they're doing? And who's the old guy? And well, we know who the old guy and the old girl is from the picture at the end. Mm-hmm. But how does that connect to Nick and Delonka? This is another thing. Like, do you remember when a lot? That's right. They might be possessing like in Bly Manor. Actually, now I think of it because at the beginning she goes over to Nick. And was like, do I know you from somewhere? They felt like they knew each other. Oh, forgot about that until now. And then they're the two who are seeing the opposite ghost from the other person. Damn. <laughs> so yeah, I want to read the. That's why I got the book. I was like, I want to know how it ends in the book. <laughs> See where they even though it'll probably go. be different from yeah yeah definitely I just want to see but again my Flanagan just does not miss nope does not and also I binged this in two and a bit days I don't know about you same yeah <laughs> his stuff just calls for it doesn't it and it's one of those things it's not like all right two episodes a night it's like I need this. Yeah, I think I finished the last six all back to back. I stayed up until like midnight. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I found I'm like, I, I, I should have just waited until the next day to watch it. Oh, well. Yeah, when you're a wreck the next day. Yeah. It's like, Mark, what's wrong with you? I'm like, Anya. It's like, who's Anya? A fictional character from a TV show. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, I think that's it for me from Midnight Club. Have we like, missed anything big? I do want to touch upon uh, Mark. Not me. Uh, the character Mark. The Not orderly, but... Yeah. The yeah. nurse, but... Kind of. Yes. And just like him and uh, his relationship he has with the kids, especially Spencer, it just feels very heartwarming. Yeah. Uh huh. Because I was glad for a moment I thought they were going to try and put him together with Spencer. And I'm like, no, that's weird, pretty little liar stuff. (laughs) But they didn't do that. Oh, thank God they didn't. That would have been, even though, like, do I trust Mike Flanagan? Yes. But I think it's more of like, I don't want to say the old guard and the new guard, because I'm pretty sure, like, Mark is also gay. He is, yeah. Yeah, just, and just like, them relating to each other, because, hell, being gay today, a lot better than the 90s, but still, uh, society is still not uh, accepting, unfortunately. So imagine that in the late 90s, it kind of feels like, hey, like, we got each other. 
Yeah, I'm glad. I'm really glad they went on that route with it. Because, like I said, I was scared. I, I didn't even think else. about the <laughs> relationship aspects. Maybe because have you seen Pretty Little Liars? Uh, no. Maybe because that ABC Family show did it. I was like, no, please don't. But you're right. I should have had. I should have faith in old Mike Flanagan. And instead, he did. A, oh, and also, I meant to. It's Mike Flanagan co-created with. Um, oh God, I'm going to forget her name. Uh, Leah Fong. Yes, Leah Fong, who had worked on Blind Manor before and Once Upon a Time and The Magicians. Um, I, she wrote quite a lot of episodes. She wrote Anya, or co-wrote it as well. So shout out to her as well as Mike Flanagan working on this. And all the directors, because it didn't really feel like anytime it wasn't Mike Flanagan, it was like a poorer episode, a poorer directed episode, you know. I just wish Leah Fong had a wiki page. <laughs> That's it. I, I just, she deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. I, good job to everyone involved in this. I also love the design of just closing thoughts, I guess. I love the design of the, the halls of this hospice, you know, the rounded corridors. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. I thought it was beautiful. So, so good. Um, what did she do? She did that. She did that. Amazing stories, an episode. Yes, so, yes. You know, I hope in the future with this whole Mike Flanagan, like he wants to do his own thing. I do hope his name is attached because I don't know how much involvement, like was it 50-50, was a little more, who knows. Mm -hmm. Let's say he adapts uh, something else and he's not as evolved. I hope. I don't, I don't know. I hope for the best. I get what I you mean. Like, like he, he can do his miniseries and he set this up so that other people can sort of keep it going as the series and like he can pop in obviously and direct and write some stuff. Yeah. And has the name attached, the Mike Flanagan name, because, uh, you know, um, I mean, anything with Mike Flanagan, we've well established, I'm in. Yeah. But as long as the other person gets credit for it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's like uh what what here's a great example. Um did you you know the recent Candyman movie? Yes, I know where you're going with this. Yeah. The Costa directed movie. Or as uh all the publications put Jordan Peele's Candyman. Yeah, that pissed me off too. That was like First no. Just because the direction she did was the best thing about that film, in my opinion. Like, come on. Come on. Uh, uh. Credit and people. It even he was like a co-director. He was just a producer, which is important, but... Yeah, like, yeah, she directed the film. It was her film, yeah. So. Uh. Love you, Leah. <laughs> Uh, and that's it for me. Uh, even if you've already seen it, very good. Very, <laughs> I, I don't know why I accidentally just clicked on a tab, uh, the Twitter, and the first thing that pops up, uh, do you know the Sleepy Time tea? The bear? No. <laughs> we have normal uh, tea over here, Mark. But, whoa, whoa, whoa. How, how dare you? We have Make fun of my normal, sleepy time tea. 
brine tea. And you're bragging about that? <laughs> yeah. We have gross tea over here. Okay, I just sent you uh, the tweet via Slack. <laughs> okay. Why are you telling me this? This is because of Fair and Breakfast? No, what? Just <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I just read the second line. Sleepy time, bear shot dead in Houston. Yeah, sleepy time, bear shot dead in Houston. And I was just, that's the first thing that pops up. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you jump scared me there. Oh, <laughs> uh, play Baron Breakfast. <laughs> Hopefully, it doesn't take place in Houston, does it? Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's it from uh, Midnight Club to me. Definitely great time watching it. Great show. Can't wait for a second season. Now that I know this is not a miniseries, that's, again, that's on us. That's not like, how dare Mike Flanagan? Yeah, I'm sorry, Mike Flanagan, for not doing my due research. <laughs> and Uliya Fon, my bad. I should have. Yeah. Sorry, Captain Christopher Pike. Weren't you a bad guy? In Star Trek, I don't know Star Trek. No, he was a good guy. Well, he was a he was a, he was a Star Starfleet commander anyway. Not to be nerd yeah. nerd on this, <laughs> not to be nerd nerd, but in the original series, right. he had an technically. <laughs> well, well, technically, they had the uh, I'm like, okay, Jess. <laughs> what ifs? Uh... But that's it from us. Jessica, anything you want to plug? You can follow me at Resi Jesse for random tweets. Sometimes I tweet four times a day. Sometimes I don't tweet for three weeks. It's... Oh, same. Yeah. <laughs> Come and see how long it's been since I've tweeted then. Other than that, I am planning on doing a Doctor Who Centenary special review. I believe it's called Power of the Doctor. It took them so long to reveal the title, I just call it the Centenary special. But looking forward to it. We'll be reviewing it probably the day or the day after it comes out. Hell yeah. You can find me on Twitter at LilMarco512. I have uh, Marvel's Werewolf by Night review already up on King Gamer, Hocus Pocus 2 review. Good watches, good reviews. Please check that out. Speaking of King Gamer, you can check us out on kingnamer.com. We got the latest reviews, opinions, guides, all the fixings. And also, search us up on Spotify or Apple. Give us a five star. It gives a little bump in the charts so more lovely people like yourself can listen. I'm your host, Marco Callahan, and we hope you have a nice day. <laughs>